And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Chris Essex, who during his near-death experience lived another life, and today we're going to learn about it. Chris, thank you so much for joining me, and welcome. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, Chris, if you don't mind, let's just start on the day that it happened and go from there. Well, funny story about the day that it happened is I don't remember it at all. Um, so the last thing I remember before all this happened was Super Bowl Sunday. And I remember it so well because that halftime show was the greatest halftime show for anybody our generation, which was the Dr. Dre one. Um, but so that was the last thing I really remember. And then um, the next thing I remember is being under and then waking up. So let me let me explain a little bit here. Um so I, I I ended up the day that everything happened, and this is all for my wife and my coworkers telling me this. I went to work. I drove my son to ABA. He lives with autism. Um, I drove him to ABA. I went to work. I took pictures for somebody's last day at work, like before they were retiring. Um, and then I went to the gas station, right? And so I, I told my boss I was really thirsty. I needed a drink. I went to the gas station, bought a couple bottles of water, and then um I called my wife and told her I was feeling weird, I guess, and I couldn't hear. Um, she told me that I was saying that it was comparable to like, you know, when you're in a pool and you get water in your ears, like that kind of feeling. Um, so I I ended up going to the hospital. Um, and later that it was the next early the next morning is when I coded the first time. And in total, I coded a total of eight times. Um, in the middle of all that, I had one heart attack and one stroke. Um, and it was all based on septic shock. So I I lost my leg in this whole process also from an infection. Um, so that that's what happened on this end. Um, on my on the other end, though, it was uh okay. So the first thing I remember in, is walking through like a field of like, I don't know if it was wheat or high weeds or just something. It was about knee high and um, walking through and it was so peaceful. The sky was blue. It was just, it was so calm. It was so peaceful and it was empty. I didn't see anybody there. Um, no animals, no people. I've had people ask me about that. If I saw animals or people and nobody, but I firmly and strongly believe I was at a crossroads there and I got to make up my mind you know, the best I could, what I wanted to do there. Um, because I, you know, and this will plan to the next part of this, but I have a six-year-old son. He was five at the time. And I think he is what pushed me through all of this. Um, so so the the other life. So I I went through that. And that's that's about all I remember is going through the field, this blue skies, it was beautiful outside. Um, so the next part which is very interesting or, you know, odd, however you want to look at it, was um, I, I was living a whole other life, a whole different life with a different wife. I had different kids. Um, and it was it was so trippy. I mean, I remember I had a job at a grocery store and I was married to a different person, lived in a different house. And it was so bizarre. Um, and I remember thinking something doesn't feel right. Like something feels off with this, but I didn't know what it was. I was happy, which was kind of crazy. I was happy there, but I just didn't know what, you know, something felt 
really off with it. And so um, when I woke up from everything, I didn't know what was my real life for a few minutes, like for five, 10 minutes after I woke up, because my wife was right there. My wife in this life <laughs> was right there. When I, you know, first thing I saw and the first thing I said was Alex, which is my son's name, um, because I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know if he was real. And I was so confused when I woke up trying to figure out what was real life, what was, you know, and even for a while after, like, there were small things that felt like, you know, I was, I woke up and I was still in something like in a dream or, you know, whatever, in a coma. I don't know. But um, it was, you know, it's just small things. Like we had to move to a different apartment on the bottom floor uh, because I lost my leg in the process, like I said. And so it was like, I left, we lived in one place, came home, we lived in another place. It was things like that, that were like, okay, there's an explanation, but it still felt kind of strange all the way around. So I like to joke with my wife that um, she's not my real wife and uh, my other life is my real life. And, uh, you know, I, I I know that's not the case, but I like to joke with her about it. So that's, that's the quick version. Um, I guess I elaborated a little bit, but I don't know. It was just, it, all I can say is it's just really bizarre, though. It's it, it's a good feeling, but it's a strange feeling. Did you have some sort of leg infection that put all this in motion? I did. Um, so before all this, I was already, I, I was amputated below the knee, right? And so this was before all this happened. Um, I, I had a prosthetic. I was walking fine on it, but I got infected right on the stump like I was rushing it I wanted to walk quicker you know I was ready to move around more that got severely infected and that's what ended up happening and um while I was in the hospital I was I spent about two weeks in a coma uh 12 days I believe um and they gave my wife about a 10 percent chance that I'd survive and I had to have a surgery so she got to decide if I was going to have a surgery that might save my life or might kill me, which was to amputate higher up my leg. And so they, at that point too, they couldn't even move me in the hospital bed because my blood pressure would drop so low. So it was just totally a dice roll. They were like, he's going to have a better chance of surviving if we amputate higher, but he also could die on the surgery table because his heart rate would go down so low. Did you have the surgery? I did. Um, I had the surgery and firm believer that that's what saved my life was that surgery because she said right after that while in the coma still um I started to improve like my like blood pressure got normal um my kidneys were still shot from all of this that was like the first thing to go was I was having kidney issues not I didn't I don't have kidney issues now and I didn't before but whenever my body started shutting itself down I started having the kidney issues so in the hospital I did in your other life, during your experience, did you still have the leg? I did. Yeah. And I, when I knew, when I was in that field too, I had the leg, which, um, yeah, both in, in both experiences, I was walking around and I was fine and it didn't seem strange either. And um, I, I had the below the knee amputated for about six months before all this happened. So like last summer, this happened in February of this year. So I got it amputated last summer. So it's not like it was a new thing. I was used to it. But yeah, I, I had my leg and it felt normal. 
during your experiences, did you completely forget about this life? I would say I did. Um, like the, the, the best way I can describe it though, is like, it felt strange. Like, you know, when you're doing something and it feel like when you're doing something on your day to day and it feels like something is just a little bit off, but you can't put your finger on it. That's what it felt like. Like something was just a little bit off, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Like I, I was happy in this other marriage. I'm happy in my current, in my actual marriage. I was happy with the kids I had in this other life. And I, obviously I love my son in this life. So I was happy, but I just felt like something was, something was off. Was the time period in this other life the same time period as now or like something in the past or the future? I've been asked that. And um, it was, I know it was modern enough, but not like to like 2022 modern. I mean, it could have been like the fifties is what I mean, or, you know, it could have been 2022, but I, I remember there were cars, but I remember also my job was at a grocery store. I think, and I, I, I want to say like, I was a butcher, like, you know, like a meat butcher at a grocery store, which we don't really have those anymore. And so I've thought a lot about that. You know, we don't have that job. So um, it could have been years ago, but it wasn't like, Hundreds of years ago, it would have been when there were cars and electricity and stuff. Do you think you were replaying or re-experiencing a past life? You know, I've been asked that a lot too. And I've thought about that a lot. And I'm not, I'm not ready to say absolutely, but I'm not ready to say I wasn't either. Like it felt like it felt real enough that I could have been, but I, I'm a natural skeptic. Um, I work in journalism and I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a natural skeptic. I want to ask questions. I want to get to the bottom of whatever's happening. And so, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have a memory issue now too. So I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Was there anybody in your experience that was possibly familiar besides the family? Mm, no. Not that I can recall, um, because he the, the way that I describe it, how it feels now, is like, you know, when you have a very vivid dream, and then it kind of fades as you go through the day or through the month, it's kind of like that. Like, it was very vivid when I woke up, and I wish I would have taken notes or, wrote, you know, got more of it on paper, but um, I didn't, unfortunately, but I mean, yeah, it... I don't think anybody felt familiar, but I'm not sure. It felt it felt right, though. Just maybe not familiar. Do you think it's possible that you were living in another, like a parallel universe? You know, and that's something else that I've thought a whole lot about. Absolutely. I mean, it absolutely could be possible. The same with, you know, I put it up there with the same possibility. I mean, actually, I put it up there with more of a possibility than I would put a past life because... You know, the, the way that I thought about it, you know, and this is all just me speculating, um, is what if I slid? What if I slid into a, a different a different time, a different life? You know, I'm a big fan of the Avengers and Marvel movies. What if I slid into a different timeline, you know, a different version um, in that multiverse? And, uh, you know, I was living a whole different life from it. I got to step into it and then pull right back out of it. Were the people in this life anybody that you have ever seen before? No. I mean, 
like when I say like nobody that I would say that I've seen now. Um, and by what I mean by that is when I was when it happened, I mean everybody felt familiar. But um now, like I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to say that's who it was or anybody. I mean, nobody seemed familiar like, looking back at it. Before or even after this has happened, are you the type of person that during your dreams you interact with people you've never met? No, I rarely remember my dreams. Um, so no, but I, I and when when I do remember them, I don't interact with people that I've never met. Um, it's always like you know about family. Usually, I'm dreaming about going on like a trip or something um, with my family, but it's never like other people like that was in this experience. After the experience, have you noticed that you have any new mental abilities that you didn't have prior? Not really. I've always been kind of able to like, my premonitions have always been really good. Um, I could always kind of feel when something was happening or getting ready to happen. And I wouldn't call it a psychic ability. I would just say it's that premonition. Like you just kind of get that feeling like something's going to happen. And I feel like now that's a little bit more pronounced. Um, like I can, like I, I'll say to my wife, like, I don't know, somebody's about to knock on the door and boom, boom, boom. And somebody knocks on the door, you know, and it's just like, I get a, I get a weird feeling. And she's like, she's always like, you're so creepy. Get out of my head, you know, because I can tell her what she's thinking before she says it. Um, but I, I've always kind of had that, but I feel like since this has gotten better. How have you changed since this? Oh, <laughs> so I definitely appreciate life a lot more. Um, and that, you know, that's near death experience aside. I, I'm thankful for what I have and I'm, you know, you really put into perspective that everything could be gone in a in a heartbeat and i mean that's not something you you know a lot of people in their 20s 30s 40s even think about you know um and right now i'm 39 so uh it really put all that in perspective and the thought of my son not having a dad you know and i think that's what what brought me back is thinking about my son because as i mentioned he's he's on the spectrum he's got um ADHD He's 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 battling a couple of different things and um, he needs a dad. He needs his dad there. And, you know, my wife, his mom does a great job, but, you know, he needs both parents. And so that, you know, I think it's really put all that in perspective. Enjoy everything that I have. Every, you know, even if I live in an apartment, it's not the biggest house. I enjoy it anyway. I'm happy here. I have my family here. It's, it's things like that that used to be like oh i want to drive a tesla and how you know but now it's like nope i have a car that works just fine and happy with what i have so that's the biggest thing that's changed for me um i also look at i also look at things with a different set of glasses a different set of lenses um and that i don't i don't know a way to really explain that though it's just like i can it's like because like you mentioned that parallel universe kind of deal. And so I kind of sit there and I think, what if I did slide? So I look at stuff in different ways, if that makes any sense, which I don't think it does. Sometimes I personally will dream of people that I've never met before. And I've talked to dream analysis experts. And I think that I've come to the conclusion that possibly I 
astral travel during my dreams and meet up with different people. So I'm curious if that's possibly what happened to you. Man, I I think it's possible. Anything's possible. I don't know. All I know, all I can for sure say is that something happened. And that's that's what I feel 100% comfortable saying as somebody that likes to have all my stories factual. You know, I know that this happened. What happened? How it happened? I don't know. I mean, I would love to look into it more. My wife's talked about going to a psychic, hmm. seeing if they can kind of get into that. And I've never really been one to put a whole lot of stock into psychics, but I'd be open to doing it now just to see if we can find anything else out. Um, so that's something I guess that's changed in me after all this too. Would you be up for getting hypnotherapy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that's something that we've talked about doing too. I would be totally down with that. Um, I think it'd be interesting. And I think there's a lot more that got, that happened that was buried, you know, that's buried deeper in my head right now that I just can't remember. And that might bring it back up to the surface. I believe you mentioned that the experience kind of faded at least that day when you came back. From what you can remember, is the experience just as real as you and me now, right now? Yeah, it was it was very real. And when you know I say it faded, I don't mean by that I don't mean I don't think it it's going into like a whole different mindset where it didn't happen. I think it's it's faded like like I said, like a dream does, but I absolutely believe something happened. I absolutely believe it felt real. Everything felt real. And like I said, real enough to where I didn't know which life was my real life when I woke up from that coma for five, 10 minutes with my wife talking to me. She was, it's not like five or 10 minutes in a hospital room by myself. It's five or 10 minutes with my wife sitting right there talking to me, telling me it's okay. Telling me my son's okay. And I still, I was like, wait, are you my wife? Are you my real wife? You know what I mean? And it's like, I knew who she was, but I also remember living this other life. And so I didn't know if she was the real one or the fake one. You know what I mean? How has your wife handled this? Very, she's handled it very well. I think she was, she's mostly just happy I'm alive. That was her first thing because she didn't think I was going to survive this. Um, but beyond that, she, I think she thinks it's interesting. Like it was her idea to go to, you know, hypnotherapy or, you know, a psychic. It, that, that's all been her idea to kind of pitch that. I'd be like, I think it'd be really interesting to dig into that more because it doesn't make her jealous. It doesn't make her feel like, oh, he was dreaming about somebody else while he was out. She's, she's, I think, just as interested in it as I am. That's great. It's yeah. great that she's not jealous because of, yeah. and there's, she shouldn't be because it's not like something you did with any intention. Right. And I, and I was, and I'm not going to lie, I'm happy that it was her and my son, Alex, that I woke up to. That <laughs> instead of staying in that other life, I'm happy that this is the life that I'm still with. How have your thoughts on death change? For example, do you fear it? I don't fear it in general, but I, I fear it because I, I don't want to leave my son alone yet. I don't want to leave without a dad. So I'm afraid of that. Um, but I think if my son was 40 or if I didn't have a son, it would be a whole different mindset. I wouldn't be afraid of it. I wouldn't be like out there risking my life, but I wouldn't be like dreading the day that it happens someday. Because it, 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 I think it was, I think there was two different parts of this, right? So I think me going through that field that I mentioned at the beginning was me at a crossroads. 
And I really think I got to choose what to do there, what I wanted to do. I think if, if I wanted to, I could have passed on. Um, but I think I decided I wanted to stay and fight. And uh, I, I credit my son 200% for that. I think it was absolutely all because of him, the reason that I decided to fight. And um, because that, that field that I was in, I mean, that was so comfortable. It was so peaceful, not scary. Um, it, it was just a, it was a really calm and relaxing place. It's interesting because that field or that experience that you mentioned and describe reminds me of the movie Gladiator, where just at the end, he's crossed, he died, and he's rejoining his family, and he's walking through the fields and feeling the grass. But yeah, now that you mentioned that, yeah, I, I haven't seen that movie in such a long time, but um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, you could be onto something there. That what I what kind of freaked me out with all of it was um, like I said, I'm into the Marvel stuff, and I have you do you watch any of that stuff? Yeah, I've watched quite a bit. I'm not all of it. Okay, so there was a show on there. It was called Moon Knight, and um, it it dug into like that afterlife and you know ancient egyptian type stuff and the gods and there was a part on there that gave me the chills because the 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 main character had died or he had he was in the middle and he was in this field and it was the only difference was it was like dark there whereas mine wasn't dark but then i gotta be clear this show came out after um so it's not like i was in in this dreaming about this because I had just seen it in a show. This episode, I watched it in the hospital actually after I woke up, you know, as I was recovering. Now you were clinically dead, I think multiple times, right? Eight different times. So seven times in one day. And then a couple of days later, I went one more time. And so my wife said that each time I was, I did, I stopped breathing for about four or five minutes. Um, so they had they had to do everything the chest compressions the shocks you know and I, I don't know how she she lived with that because uh she had to the first time she knew i was in the hospital obviously but she didn't know how bad it was so she got a call at like four in the morning or five in the morning telling her that first time that i had coded you know that they were trying to that they had brought me back and she's at home with our son right and she can't just this was still when covid um hospitalization stuff was still very strict so you couldn't have kids in the hospital and i still don't think you can but you can only have like two visitors total um and so she couldn't just run to the hospital to be with me and she didn't want to scare our son either um because he wouldn't have understood and so she had to get him ready to go on his day two hours later just like normal while she waited for her mom to get there to kind of take over but she had to pretend like everything was fine in in the middle of all that she threw a birthday party for him because we want I, I, i'm not upset about that either i'm i would be upset if she didn't throw the birthday party for him because i mean he didn't he didn't ask for this so you know it's not fair to him if you know he didn't get his birthday because of something that's happening to me i'm not exactly sure what your religious and or spiritual views were before the experience but so before, how have they changed afterwards? So before the experience, um, I didn't believe in anything. I didn't, you know, I was, I was textbook atheist. 
um, I didn't judge religious people. I just didn't understand. I'm just like, you know, I I felt like there was more proof, at least in my mind, that there was nothing else out there after death than there was, than there is proof that there is, you know, whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I felt like there was more proof that it didn't exist. Religion didn't exist and it was made up. Now, since I've since I've uh, came out of this, I, I I'm still not super religious, but I'm also not shutting the door on it anymore. So it's like I'm I'm open to hearing what people say, um, but I'm not all the way religious <laughs> just yet. But I'm not shutting it down either. Do you still classify yourself as an atheist? No, um, I class like I. Look, at the end of the day, I know that something's there. Like, I can tell you that there's more to it. What is that more to it? I don't know. I, just, I really don't know. Like, I don't know if I decided to cross over, if that would have been lights out dark, or if there would have been more beyond that. Um, I just don't know. So, but I, I'm not hardcore atheist anymore. I'm, I, I believe there's more to it than, than what I previously thought. Especially being an atheist, I would think that you went through some level of doubt as to whether you really had an experience or was it some reaction to the medications? No, I had never had a doubt about it. Once I woke up, I never doubted it. Um, the skeptical side of me, if you would have told me a year ago that I would have had that, I'd be like, oh yeah, I would doubt that. But no, I haven't doubted this experience at all. I know that something happened. And can I prove something happened? Obviously not, but I, I know that something happened. And I've never doubted that. What inspires you about your experience? The biggest thing that inspires me um, is live for live for what you, live for every day. Live for what you have. Because who knows if it's gonna be gone tomorrow. Um, you could be you could get in a car wreck. You could have a heart attack. You, somebody driving down the road could have a heart attack and hit you on a sidewalk, you know? And it's scary to think about, but then you got to think also live your life for each day. Don't live it for somebody else. Like, you know, being nervous what somebody else thinks or what other people are doing or, you know, when, when it, you have a family or you have people that you care about, that's what's, that's what matters at the end of the day. And not, anything else and i i've taken that away that, i think that's the big takeaway that i've gotten from this um and i want to i want to i'm a big advocate for mental health now too um because for after all this i've gotten um i was diagnosed with ptsd anxiety and depression and I, it was more so from the actual being in a hospital for a month and a half and being scared that i my son's not gonna have a dad you know and I'm a big advocate for getting help if you need it. There's help out there for anybody and everybody. And it's never, you know, feeling like you're alone is never the right, uh, it's never the right way to be. Can you recall any of the experiences you shared with this other family, like going to the park one day? Or um, I remember going to work. I remember having dinner with them. Like, like I said, I went to work. I was like a meat butcher or something like that. Um, and I remember going or going, having dinner with them, like sitting around a table and having dinner. Um, and I remember driving somewhere, but I don't remember where. I don't remember what was going on in that. Do you remember their names? 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I wish I did. And that's why I think I'm absolutely open to like hypnotherapy or uh, some sort of something to dig deeper into my actual brain, you know, to figure out. Because I think I think all that's there. I think it just needs tapped into a little bit, you know. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Mm-hmm. Are you open to that? Absolutely. Um, I can give you my email address if you want to attach it to this. I also, um, I've started doing a YouTube kind of thing just Mm -hmm. because, and I'm not here to plug that. I just kind of, I've done it to just talk about my experiences. And also, you know, if something were to happen to me, I want my son to have something that he can hold on to and watch because we've kept this like a big, you know, big secret from him I think, which I think is the right decision right now. It's six. Um, but yeah, so my, whoever wants to watch my YouTube and ask me questions, it's just my name, Chris Essex 229. Um, and I just started doing it. So ask if you, if you want to ask me questions, you can on there. We can drop my email address. Like I said, um, C Essex, like my name, E S S E X. 1983 at me.com. What about Facebook? Yeah, they can reach out to me on Facebook. Um, my, my page is open. I'm not a private page. So send me a message. I'm pretty easy to find on there. You can find me on Twitter or Facebook. Um, I I have a blue checkmark Twitter, which I don't think now is as big of a deal, but it was at one point. Um, so I'm easy to find on there. Well, before we finish up, Can you give us one last positive message? The big positive from all this is there is something there. You know, I think a lot of us are afraid that, you know, if you go into a situation like this, it just lights out, it's over. And I don't know what happened, what would happen if I would have decided to cross over when I was in that, that field, but I know that there's at least another step, which makes it hopeful for me. What leaves me in a hopeful place that there is more beyond those. Because why would that have been there? Why would I have had that option if it was just lights out after that? So I do think there's more to it. Whereas before I didn't, I just didn't think there was anything else to it. So I would also like to add to, you know, I, I and I kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but I, I've become a major advocate for mental health. Um, you know, I'm always wanting to talk about the suicide hotline anytime I can. And I'm always wanting to advocate people get help, you know, even if it's just like a buddy that, you know, you can just reach out and talk to. And on the flip side of that, you never know when one of your friends are battling something. Um, just a simple like, hey, how you doing? Sometimes it makes all the difference in the world. So ask how people are doing. Let them know they're not alone. Because sometimes it's just a very alone feeling, having mental health problems, struggles. Chris, thank you for your message and thank you for sharing your experience with us. I am happy to be here, happy to do it. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.